0: David Alter is with us now. He's with the SI Media Group, uh, publisher and a reporter for Inside the Maple Police. David, how are you today, sir? I am happy to be home. That's what yes. I will say. That's, that's, yeah, well, we sp- we spoke last week on the road, and, and you oh, got yeah. stiffed for a flight out of Seattle. How did that work? Well,
1: I had to stiff you, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. because of that, because I had to get on the line with the uh, uh, an airline which will not be named and figure out, how I was going to get it from Seattle to Edmonton. It was the one practice I missed all season and it was the one where all the trades happened. So go figure Murphy's law, but um, yeah, yeah, it was crazy, but at least I got to Edmonton. We got to all the games. That's all that matters. uh, That was probably the most arduous uh, road trip I've ever covered in my life, both in terms of length, in terms of how busy, in terms of flight issues, uh, it was very taxing
0: yeah, you know you could you could uh, condense it down to five games, but i mean it's uh, it, it wraps around you know the travel 's one thing it wraps around the trade deadline you got two guys departing and and basically four more coming in because they'd already acquired two to start the trip, so i mean that 's a significant amount of roster shuffling
1: it is, and then you have to factor in that it 's almost unprecedented where I could ever recall that that the Leafs go out west do the kind of circle that they 've done. And then have to go to New York before going home, or well, New York, but New York area, uh, and stay there for a few days because it's it's too short for them to go home, but not, or sorry, too short for them to just kind of get it out of the way and be done, but too long that they can't really get home. So uh, they just kind of had to be away for a long period of time. And all these newcomers that are there is good good for bonding, but they haven't been able to really get settled, except for Ryan O'Reilly, because he went home after the Vancouver game with that broken finger, so he's at home getting situated and recovering, but as for the other new guys, they haven't really been able to settle, like Luke Shen stayed in Vancouver because his wife is due within days, and, and so because of his role on the team and going from west to east and the timing of everything, he's not around. And so some of the other guys like Lafferty and and McCabe, they kind of have to, you know, get adjusted to things on the fly. They haven't been in Toronto yet. This is their first chance now to kind of just figure out, okay, this is where I'm going to be for the short term and here's how we're going to get things settled. Especially because those guys like Lafferty and McCabe have terms. So it's not just like, yeah. oh, stay in a hotel and figure that out. they got to figure out their lives after this season, too.
0: Yeah, no question. I mean, and I like that trade. First of all, let, let's go back to the blue line, uh, just because that's where a lot of the surgery was, was done. I mean, you know, you're you're adding 50% of your blue line. How, how do you think all this shakes out? Because I, I really like the McCabe acquisition. I, I think that's the top of the list for me. Well...
1: I, I spoke to some colleagues when I saw that deal for Chicago and Toronto. And I thought to myself, what is Kyle Davidson doing? Great for the Leafs. Great for the Leafs. But I've never in the history of retention in the salary cap era saw a good contract be retained for multiple years at 50%. The Leafs can even get 50% retained on a bad contract in Matt Murray. Like, I, I was just stunned. And, like, for what the return was when you looked at everything else, it was just a bad deal. Yeah, I get Chicago's tanking. They may not care. But they may care in 24-25. It, it may not take that long to tank. And, you know, their fans would probably want that extra $2 million. But, sure, they did. They gifted the Leafs half the contract. That's just an incredible uh, pull by Kyle Dubas to to get – a quality defenseman, but one that's going to be cheap for a few years uh, just because of the, the whole retention there. And for really not a lot. And Sam Lafferty has got an additional year after this year. And you saw what he can do from a speed and in depth standpoint up the middle in a pinch last night in Newark. So uh, yeah, really good deal to not give up very much. And uh, some of the other moves they, they were able to make, they they recouped in some of the draft capital, but uh, yeah, just um, I, I don't know what was in it for Chicago. that I think they could have parted with contracts and gotten first-round picks without retaining that much in the game. I'd never seen that before, and we probably won't even see it again because I was just stunned that Chicago was taking 50% of a good contract for really not a lot in return.
0: Well, and the way that uh, blue line stacks up, I mean, there's uh... – it it does project forward. It's not. Uh, I mean, a lot of it's done for this year, but but there's a lot of it moves forward in the next year without having to do any work there. I mean, Shen and Hall are the UFAs, and and I I, I want to believe that Shen stays around. I don't know much about Hall's situation, but Shen's had a dollar figure that they could easily re-sign him. But but in terms of right now, the pairings, uh, what we saw last night. Uh, you know, how would you go forward with that? And then you've got Shen and Gustafson to 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 put in there as well. How does all this work?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question, uh, because, you know, there's a lot of people who would feel that Justin Hall should be on the outside looking in, but, uh, there's a lot of people who also see that John Keith relies on him for his penalty killing ability and, and, uh, has him as an everyday guy just kind of slotted in there with Mark Giordano. So beyond that, you've also got McCabe and Brody that looks like a good pair. You have to figure out who's, best suited for Riley. Riley Shen looked okay, but probably wasn't optimal. But how else are you going to get Shen in the lineup? Eric Gustafson uh, could be a solid PP2 option, but outside of that, where else is he factor into all of it? Um, I think Timothy Lilligren has earned the right to be an everyday defenseman. And until his play slips, uh, then you kind of make those moves, but I get it. You kind of have to have everyone kind of factored in, but I think it's also who gets the best out of Morgan Riley right now, because As they're factoring in those other four guys, they have to kind of figure out, okay, where's Riley going to go back? Is he going to go back with TJ Brody eventually, or is McCabe now the number one on the left side? And uh, if Riley does go back, then who's the best fit for McCabe. So I think you're going to see a lot of different mixes with some of these other new guys. Eventually. I think Shen though is really just, you know, they got him for the specific purpose that they know exactly what his role is. And that's a seven. I like needed. If you need some toughness or injuries to kind of come in and it just goes to show you, if this was a player that was in the top four, and, and needed every day in a, in a battle, Luke Shen would probably be with the team right now. But because they have the luxury of not needing him right away and allowing him to get his family life situated, then, you know, he's not really going to be an everyday guy, even though he was with Vancouver. With Tampa, he wasn't. And it's probably going to be a similar role that he plays with the Maple Leafs.
0: Well, I mean, I like the blue line. It's it's deep, it's thick, it's got all the elements that you need. So no concern there for me, really. Uh, and any issues are covered over by the number of guys back there. Uh, but up front, are, are you confident there's enough depth up front?
1: I think so. I mean, as long as everyone stays healthy, you have to like some of the options that they have. Remember, before a lot of the trades, when they first just had Ryan O'Reilly, and Noel Achari, that alone everyone thought they were probably done because they got the center depth that they needed. Well, what they did after that was loaded up on more center depth and Achari was not the guy called in in that situation to fill in for Tavares and O'Reilly being out of the lineup as the second center last night. So... I think you have to be thrilled with the options that you have up the middle with natural centers that can play in that spot. And when he's not in that spot, you had Achari and Lafferty as fourth liners. Like, that's pretty good depth. That's uh, changing the makeup of your team and uh, allowing a very different look for the playoffs, one that probably matches up better with Tampa than it has in previous years. So – you have to like the depth there. It's just a matter of can they stay healthy and can they get it going Uh, in the regular season? Yeah, they've been pulling out wins, but it hasn't been pretty, right? So as long as they get that sorted out between now and the playoffs, that's important because I'm a firm believer that the way teams play post deadline is the truest reflection of um, what kind of success they're going to have. And so the fact that they have been playing a little bit worse, is not a great sign, but it's still early.
0: Yeah, that that trade deadline is the, is the best line in the sand in the business. I mean, you think 100%. back to uh, this thing happened on Friday. Uh, it, it seems like it was a year ago. I mean, the the, the the gap between when that thing ends and what happens next is quick, isn't it?
1: It is, but it's also the truest reflection of what your team is, especially in Toronto's case because of the makeovers that they made, right? You can pretty much, I don't want to say throw everything out like in the garbage, but like when you look at playoff teams and kind of where they're kind of coming together, the way they play post-deadline on is the truest reflection of how they play in the playoffs because – you know, they don't have to worry about different players being added to the mix or worried about if they're going to get moved or everything. Their, their mind is just clear to focus on what's ahead, and that's the playoffs, and kind of figuring out a chemistry and a way to gel together so that you're playing and ramping up your best hockey at that point. And so, you know, I, I even remember that Tampa team that that crashed out in 2019 uh, when they won the President's Cup. They had the uh, President's Trophy. They, they had it locked up pretty early, but they didn't play very well the last month. And so that carried over. They struggled in the playoffs, and they were out pretty quickly in four games. So um, this is an important time right now. As much as you can experiment and maybe dismiss that, uh, you know, they're not getting possession, all that kind of stuff, that's still important. They still have to hold to their identity of what got them there and figure out how they can take the new with the old and make it a successful combination. There is a little bit of risk there, but they do have time to figure it out.
0: David, thanks very much for stopping by. appreciate it. Uh, you got it. David Alter, SI Media Group, uh, publisher and reporter for Inside the Maple Leafs.